With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anytime during my 10 years, I could do this. That's power. That's power. Here's the snap. The ball is down. The kick is up. And it's gone! Wolfpack wins! It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks. Welcome to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. We have our usual great group of folks here at Amedios, and uh, we encourage you to come on down anytime you would like on a Monday evening at 6.30 to uh, join us here at the podcast. Uh, like we always do, let's thank Amedios right at the top of the show for hosting us. Um, Dave wants to remind you that uh, Amedios is just a, an absolutely fantastic place to catch the uh, football game on Friday evening. Uh, we're going to discuss, I'm sure, at a decent amount of length about the uh, the notion of college football games on a Friday night. But uh, it is what it is, as they say. So if you're looking for a good spot to come down and hang out with some state fans, come on down to Medios. You can watch the game on the big screens here in the bar and be surrounded by a lot of fellow NC State fans. Uh, I've been here before for some big uh, basketball and football games, and really there's just not a better place in town to watch a game. Uh, it really cannot be beat. you know, you got great food, great folks hanging out. You know, there's usually uh, a drink special or two to be had. Um, so come on down Friday evening and watch the uh, state game against Virginia Tech here at Amedios, and you can uh, be surrounded by a lot of Wolfpack faithful, no doubt about it. Uh, Matt Purdy is joining us. How are you doing, sir? Doing pretty well. Pretty kinda well. Re- kind of recovered from Saturday, I guess. Yeah, yeah, starting to come uh, back down to, not back down to earth, but uh, <laughs> back up to earth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> up off the mat. Um <laughs> Uh, we should mention uh, Austin Herbert is not is here again this week. Uh, he is absent, of course, uh, with the birth of their son, and so we uh, wish them well. Uh, you know, uh, podcasting seems to be uh, something that if you are uh, looking to uh, have a child, get into it. It seems to uh, lead to children quite soon. Um, so uh, we wish Austin uh, the best and uh, uh, send all our love out to those guys as well. Um, so, Matt, let's uh, talk about this Louisville game. Uh, yeah. State came in, and there had been a lot of discussion about, you know, State being uh, a foe, 4-0, as I'm sure the the Rick Bozich guy from Louisville had noted. Um, you know, we'd heard so much talk about State's schedule and how they hadn't played anybody and mm-hmm. how it hadn't prepared them. And I don't want to say that the performance on Saturday validated all of that, but maybe there was a nugget of truth in some of that and, um, you know, the fact that uh, State came out and did not look like the same State team that we had seen in the four weeks prior to that game. You know, made a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes, uh, some penalties that kept drives alive and, you know, missed extra point. Right. You know, letting guys uh, like Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, run for a 67-yard <laughs> touchdown. 
those were the things that we weren't seeing in the first game. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, we were not able to, to win against Louisville on Saturday. And uh, I, again, I don't want to say it validates what all the naysayers were saying coming into this game, but, um, you know, it certainly made it a lot easier for them to stand by their case and, you know, refute some of the claims that uh, I think state fans have made about the fact that this team was prepared for this type of season. So uh, what were some of your takeaways from the game on Saturday? I, I, I tend to agree with you on that. It doesn't really – I don't think it really validates any naysayers in the fact that, this, at least speaking in terms of the schedule, um, you know, maybe if they were sneaking by some some teams there for, you know, some of the bad teams, but they they were they took care of business the way they did. I think it was just – it was a game. It's an, Sometimes you can actually look at things in a vacuum, but people don't, you know – always want to do that there's always a cause and effect for everything yeah i mean they came out they didn't play well the game plan to be honest wasn't very good offensively um tried to run you know east to west a lot against a team that has to be honest at least as good of athletes mm-hmm. um probably better defend you know easily a better you probably could combine the four defenses they played in the first four games and maybe could equal louisville's you right. know, talent on defense um, I think it was more just a, a scheme thing. I think that, you know, and to be honest, losing someone like Shad was huge. I mean, he's a strong, powerful runner, the type that goes mm-hmm. straight through the hole, straight at somebody. Was, you know, Days can kind of do that, but he's, you know, he's got to have a little bit of space to operate. He didn't have a bad game. The, the game just didn't really set up for him to have a big game. Right. And they, I think the coordinators, you know, between Dorn and Canada, whoever makes these decisions, um, you know, w- they went away from their bread and butter too early yeah you know throwing a lot of passes even when Brissett was i mean he didn't have a good game but he he wasn't terrible but you know he really wasn't completing some of the passes that they lived off of in the first four games Mm -hmm. and they were you know the problem is you get yourself in a hole you can't just run the ball all game unless you're george tech or something and that's all you do and that is your big play is you know quintuple option whatever (laughs) um flex bone yeah yeah so i i think they dug themselves in a little bit of a hole Early by being down seven zero, and then they they kind of let Louisville control that. You know, yeah. once they were down seven zero, I mean, it was the first quarter. You have plenty of time to just run the ball, get your rhythm going, yeah. set up the pass with the run, and you know they went for a couple deep balls, and you know both times that there were two in a row, I think that Hines was open and Brissett just missed him. I mean, it, not great weather. You know, he struggled with the deep ball, a combination of different things. Yeah, they were trying to hit the home run, and you know that's a very much of a video game mentality. <laughs> um, where you know, just just play your game, just keep going, and hopefully they'll realize that looking at the game film of, hey, yeah. you know what what were we doing? Why were we doing these things we haven't done? And I know they said they were going to show things they haven't shown, but they ended up not being the great the great things that you wanted yeah. to see. Um, I, I was listening to the post game uh, in the car as we were leaving the stadium, and one of the I, I really do enjoy listening to Tony Haynes. I think he makes <laughs> a lot of great points. One of the things that he brought up, and I hadn't really considered, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, Louisville plays a three-four defense, yeah. And when you have those, you know, outside linebackers that are playing essentially as in, you know, edge mm-hmm. rushers were covering that space, it does eliminate your, a lot of your ability to do a lot of the east-west action that yeah. you like to do. It does. Um, you know, when you have the three-down linemen there, you do typically have a little bit more space to run the ball inside. Mm-hmm. And not having Shad, you know, in that sense, did make a little bit of a difference. You right. know, um, Days did have a couple of runs there in between the mm-hmm. tackles that did make yeah. uh, gain some yardage. Uh, and that's that, what the, that fourth down at the end of the game didn't make any sense to me because right. why are you going to run a toss sweep on fourth and one in your own goal line with the you know the game on the line? 
Yeah, that was that was puzzling. I, I will say uh, that I agree with you that the, a lot of the pay, play calling did seem, um, I don't know, tentative. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe a little bit too um, reactive versus proactive. Yeah, if, if that makes any sense. You know, they were kind of letting Louisville dictate things. I was going to say the exact same thing. And and you know, uh, it's you know, I, I felt like you know, defensively, especially early on, State was doing what they needed to do to, mm-hmm. to stay in the game, and certainly it was a game all the way up until the end of the game. You know, State had a chance to drive the field and and score a tying uh, score, but um, you know, it it um, it was very frustrating at times because. Like you said, there were, you know, pass plays that didn't seem to quite fit. You know, yeah. uh, I, I tweeted this out, uh, out, I think, the day after the game about just how ineffective State was on first yeah. down and how far behind schedule State was. You know, just about, you know, I think 73% or so of all of State's plays mm-hmm. on second and third down were what you would be called behind schedule plays right. where they were having to gain seven or more yards on second down or, mm-hmm. you know, four or more yards on third right. down. That's like what you talked about with Steve Logan last year. When yeah. You had him on. You know, what, what is considered a successful first down play? And I think he said cutting the yardage in half. I think it was five, wasn't that five or six yards? Well, you, you look to get at least four yards on first and then, uh, you know, on second down, you try to cut the remaining yardage in half. Yeah. And, you know, uh, if you're, I think I heard the average of 1.2 yards per play on first down over the course of the whole game. That really does put you, you know, in a tough spot the rest of the game trying to kind of get back on track, especially when your strength is running the ball. Oh, yeah, know? I was going to say, it's not like a air raid offense. Yeah. You're out there just firing it, you know, 68 times a game. Yeah, it, it on the on the one drive of the game where I think it, uh, it resulted in Samuel's touchdown catch mm-hmm. uh, or was it a catch or was it officially a, it was, a it was a, It was a catch. It was a catch, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole drive had been set I, I up very so. well by, you know, <laughs> running the football. Mm-hmm. You know, we were able to move the ball down the field pretty effectively. Days, I think, had some runs in between the tackles mm-hmm. on that drive. Yeah, that drive, um, that was, you know, I would kind of given up a little bit of hope, but that drive kind of brought me back a little bit of, okay, they, they got their rhythm, they're figuring out, you yeah. know, what's – and then they just, I don't know, yeah. kind of did their own thing from there. Yeah, this this whole week, I, you know, I don't want to hit the rewind button too much, but, <laughs> right. it, you know, you had Shad – getting dismissed you had the weather being a huge story all the way leading yeah. up to it we thought that it was going to be played in a monsoon mm-hmm. and i mean it rained at times but it was it was not like, too bad only I mean, like four or five minutes of actual game time with yeah rain. yeah i don't think the weather really had too much of an impact on on you know it being you know having to throw a wet ball the yeah. whole game or anything like and that L- louisville has to throw it to you know it's the yeah. same conditions but uh, just it just felt like there were a lot of things that just all kind of led into this game where it, uh, it yeah. just the it basketball did. event getting canceled. Right. It just yeah. there were a lot of yeah there were a lot of weird omens. I was still yeah. kind of optimistic heading in. Just maybe it was yeah. just me rebelling against the Louisville <laughs> blogger trash talk or something. But right, it, yeah, it it, uh, it felt like an odd week going into it, and and I had kind of an uneasy feeling about that game. And I mean, let's give Louisville a lot of credit as well. They. Mm-hmm. You know, they did look like the much uh, more physical team up front, especially on defense, yeah. and made things difficult for Jacoby. And, and know, I mean, they, their quarterback completed like 33% of his passes, and they still won. I mean, yeah. that, that you know shows that you're a pretty strong team. I mean, yeah, they lost to Houston, but and yeah. Auburn turned out to not really be that good. But the talent is there, and now that they had kind of settled on their quarterback, even though they still played Bonifon, and yeah. he was the king of, hey, I'm you know, getting away with the holding and then a phantom face mask. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there were there were any holding calls in the in the game, and, and there weren't. It, it wasn't called either way. Which you know, I, I guess if yeah. you're if you're dealing with poor officiating, you want it to be equal right. on both sides. But there were definitely some some questionable non calls uh, mm-hmm. on uh, you know against 
uh, state or in Louisville's favor, I guess right. you could and, say. And there were some, you know, there were some odd bounces in the game. I mean, Ramos's fumble hit off his own knee. I think Day's fumble hit off like his own lineman's back. It was hard for me to see from where my seat was, but it looked yeah. like he cut left and the lineman just bumped his elbow or something like that. Um, and then I th- didn't Louisville fumble? They fumbled a, a punt, punt return, and it, yeah, and, and, and it right bounced right back guy. to him. Yeah. And, you know, so a few of those things happen. You start to think, oh, man, it's just not looking yeah. like it's going to be our day. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, again, I hate the fact that we heard so much about Louisville being, quote-unquote, battle-tested coming into this. Right. And, um, I, again, I don't know how much you can make of that. Um, I, I don't know that. State didn't uh, come into this game prepared. It, it, it felt like we, like you had said at the top of the show, we had put away teams. We hadn't just eked by. Um, and I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't want to speculate, I guess, too much into, you know, the psychology of the team. But um, yeah. maybe you can get a little bit too overconfident when you start dispatching teams. I mean, they were up, what, three, four scores against South Alabama yeah. uh, in the first quarter. Yeah. I, you know, it, I, it's, I still think it's a one-off. But uh, there may be some merit to it. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's why Shad was on a scooter the next day. He was like, <laughs> oh, I don't care. You know, who knows? It's There's so many variables that play into yeah. things like that. It's hard to. I didn't, I didn't to put this out them. on Twitter because I didn't, especially because it, it felt like sour grapes uh, <laughs> at the time. But I do wonder, you know, this year's schedule was all kind of a result of the fact that Louisville bought out, or not, excuse me, Louisville, LSU. but LSU bought out their game. Against us, and I and I do wonder if you replace who would have been Old Dominion with Louisville yeah, in the schedule. Like that. You know, I I don't know. It's 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 tough to play. What to be, ifs? To be uh, honest, it probably just means Leonard Fournette would have <laughs> right. you know, three hundred and twenty-one yards or something. But <laughs> yeah, he he would have certainly battled. But they would have been our, they would have been able to tackle Lamar Jackson a little better after tackling right. Fournette if he didn't you know destroy the entire defensive <laughs> core. Um. So, you know, those are the what-if games that I guess you could yeah, play. Yeah, and that's one of the – I think is it's, you know, ambiguity is the, the beauty and the terribleness of sports is there's always a what-if. Yeah. Always. What if we made that shot? What if, you know, somebody didn't get suspended or hurt? Or, you know, there, there's what always – What if we red-shirted Rivers? Yeah, I mean, it, it's year. not two plus two is four. It, there's always yeah. something. Yeah, the, the red-shirt Rivers and let him yeah. be with Manny and Mario yeah. and all those guys. I mean – but at the same time, if if he left after three years, and the, yeah. you know, yeah. you, n- you never know. Yeah, I, it's uh, again, you can't you can't get too far down that wormhole. Yeah, you could you, go forever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Any other uh, thoughts? I mean, we did mention the Ramos fumble uh, right as he was trying to score. Yeah, um, that was obviously huge because that kind of set the tone for the rest of mm-hmm. the day. You know, they Louisville recovers and, and ends up scoring on their possession yeah. off of that turnover. I you think know, both it, their touchdowns were like eighty something plus yard drives, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. I think I remember thinking both both touchdowns were just insanely long drives, and every time they got a short field, they got a field goal or nothing. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That was, I, I, I could be wrong, but that's what I remember from the game. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. So, I mean that that could be you know maybe if you're looking at the week schedule, um, you know maybe that's something they're not used to a team that can do that. The only times you know South Alabama scored on a on a quick hit. Old Dominion scored on a you know a quick hit. Um, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. They're not used to going up against a big, strong, physical line. You know, mm-hmm. play after play. That could, you know maybe looking back towards your your point on that, that could be one thing to look at. Yeah. Uh, but, 
Yeah, as you said, uh, you know, on their two touchdown drives, Louisville went for 92 and 93 yards, respectively. Okay. So, all right. So um, you remember that? You know, it's uh, uh, they they uh, they they're less, well, they did go for 72 yards on their first field goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not too bad. But yeah. yeah, the rest of their drives were pretty short, relatively speaking. So, yeah, the, the, the defense wasn't the problem that game. No, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, they weren't like spectacular, but they weren't. You can't point and say, "Look, they're the reason they lost." I mean, the the defensive backs still have some questions to be asked. Even though Jackson didn't complete a lot of passes, that was you know his receiver dropped a what a forty yard bomb early in the game, and then yeah, um, you know he had a couple misses on slant passes, but. You know, the, yeah. the D-line, I thought, played pretty well. I mean, Jackson got some, you know, big holes to run through, but that's not really the defensive line's responsibility. That's somebody else. I'm sure somebody's job was to be plugging those, you know, gaps or be a QB spy on a running quarterback. Yeah. Um, defense, I, I felt okay about. Offense, personnel-wise, I, I feel fine. I I just, I don't know, <laughs> you know, what what the game plan is going to look like going forward. Um, yeah. You know, Virginia Tech's got probably a better defensive line than Louisville does. Um, you know, you, you gotta you gotta do something different. You gotta just either decide to try to ram it down their throats or have ten trick plays and eight of them are gonna work. You gotta you know you gotta go one way or the other. Yeah, I, I, I do hope that we see uh, a game plan against Virginia Tech uh, that's a little bit more you know, again for lack of a better term, proactive versus reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, because it did feel like when the uh, when things didn't work out again, I don't know. It's I, I'm just uh, looking at the possession time of possession stats here. You know, first quarters. You know, six minutes. Uh, well, roughly seven minutes in the first quarter. Only four and a half minutes in the second quarter. So you're looking at about eleven minutes mm-hmm. of possession in the first half for state. You know that that speaks to the fact that they were ineffective on first down. Yep. weren't able to com- you know convert on second and third. And really did put a lot of pressure on their defense to mm-hmm. step up, and they did. That can you can only ask so much of your defense for yeah. you know uh, when you give them that much time on the field. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting interesting to see offensively how state handles um, Virginia Tech's lines. But then again, we've now we're battle tested. Yeah, 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 battle tested. <laughs> I, I can go away. Um, and uh, so anyway, I. Uh, I don't know. That there's a whole lot else to uh, to make of this game. Any any notable injuries? I don't think uh, we came. I think don't we came in on that. Think game. there were. I mean, it's hard to tell. You know, so mm-hmm. much going on. I don't remember there being a specific injury. Yeah. Um, which is good on a, a sloppy yeah, field. Yeah, and it'd be nice. I mean, you know, and kudos I, to the grounds crew, by the way. For keeping, yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, the field it looked, looked great. great. I mean, it, it, I think this had been the first game since the new field had been installed back in 2009 where they had really been tested with a lot of rain over mm-hmm. a period of time. And, yeah, I mean, it held up really well. Yeah, there weren't really a lot of slipping or anything mm-hmm. like that. So Yeah, so no complaints there. Um, I guess going forward, um, you know, from that game, another takeaway, it looks like Hines is a little more comfortable returning kicks. Other yeah. than I don't know what that cutback was. At the very end, I've, I haven't figured that out. When you're the fastest player in the field, you just go straight. Yeah, I guess that'll be something that he sees on film and, and everybody yeah. kind of points there, out to I'm him. Sh- I guarantee you everyone said, what, like, who did you think was going to catch you? you know? um, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Bambard's got to get some confidence. Yeah. You know, these, these closer games, it didn't matter against South Alabama, Old Dominion, but, you know, you, you can just tell he's shaking. Um, yeah. And that could have been, I mean, the mixed extra point could have been huge if we had driven down and, I, exactly. and scored. Exactly, and then you lose in overtime or something, yeah. and, and you look at it that way. I yeah. mean, you, you'd think in the Michigan-type weather, he'd have been, you know, <laughs> being from Michigan, he'd be able to drill it down the middle. But yeah. well, it, he'll get there, it's just got to be quicker than we 
<laughs> than it appears to be. And uh, you know we're we're coming off four years of having one of the most you know solid mm-hmm. kickers in program history, so we're yeah. perhaps a little bit spoiled with that. But uh, yeah. You know, as I heard someone say with respect to the uh, Tampa Bay kicker, uh, <laughs> you know, your one job is pretty much to come on and convert, you know. And, yeah. and when you don't, it's very noticeable. That it's like you, it's like the closer for baseball. Yeah. You know, the team does all this work for eight innings, and you go mess up. It's the same thing with football. Yeah. I mean, these guys are out there once, you know, getting tackled, hitting people. Yeah. I mean, you go out there and kick up a football. It's not easy, or everyone would, you know, more people do it. Yeah, but. there's a reason there's a hashtag college kickers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Texas has certainly fallen victim to that this year. <laughs> I mean, Texas is just a dumpster fire. Yeah, that's everything's wrong with that. Anyway. All right, well, let's take a break. Uh, I think we said just about all we can say about Louisville. We'll come back and we'll uh, talk about uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies with Matthew from Hokie Smash and All Sports Discussion, yeah. which you have uh, contributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get Matt on the phone and uh, talk with him. We'll do Matt and Matt here on the uh, second <laughs> segment of the Riddick and Reels podcast. So, what is it that people like most about Emilio's Italian restaurant. Cool atmosphere, lots of state memorabilia, tons of memories, just lots of things to reminisce about. The food's awesome. I've had just about everything on the menu and it's all great. Chicken wings, hamburgers, lasagna, pizza, it's all great. I love coming. I've been coming here since 30 years since I was a kid, man. Find your own special reason for loving Emilio's Italian restaurant in the heart of Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, folks, welcome back to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. We are going to talk a little uh, Virginia Tech uh, football uh, coming up in the second segment. And uh, we are going to be joined on the phone here uh, by Matt. Uh, Matt, I should have uh, asked you, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Uh, I, think, I think Matthew, right? Because I, like, I'm sitting, I should tell you this funny story. I'm sitting in this class and in North Dakota when I'm really young, right? I still remember it from high school. And everybody in North Dakota is like a Lutheran, you know? Okay. So you basically have Swedish Lutheran, German Lutheran, you know, that sort, of, that sort of Scandinavian Lutheran. And so everybody seemed to name their kids Matthew. So we had to, like, try – I guess they had to try and separate – how people how people called you? They called you Matt or Matthew or Maddie or that sort of thing. So I guess Matthew would be fine. <laughs> Were Luke's and John's also very popular in uh, the your area up there as well? What about Mark? Yeah, <laughs> right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you may know uh, Matt by uh, or Matthew, I should say, by um, Hokey Smash on Twitter, uh, and he also yeah. is one of the voices on the All Sports Discussion podcast that uh, Matt Purdy has also been a guest on before and uh mm-hmm. you know matthew is a huge virginia tech fan and uh he's a wonderful follow on twitter and uh very gracious to uh to us and and to everyone uh that he follows uh one of the probably the most uh positive guys i've seen on twitter oh, yeah. there's not a whole lot of uh you know negativity sells uh on twitter i guess but uh, every now and then he'll get going and it's pretty awesome actually <laughs> if you really look for it yeah but uh, but Matt's very upbeat, and uh, so this is probably a difficult time for him and his uh, fellow Virginia Tech Hokie fans because uh, it's it's rough times up in Blacksburg, uh, perhaps rougher than uh, just about any that I can recall uh, since, gosh, over the last 20 years or so. Um, you know, it's been uh, kind of a, I wouldn't say a slow decline, but this year in particular has been a very difficult season for the Hokies. They lost to East Carolina. They just lost to Pittsburgh, and I know that um, 
there's been a lot of grumbling amongst you know Virginia Tech folks. Is is this the time? Is it is it Beamer's time? That sort of thing. So I guess we'll start there with you, Matthew. You know, this feels very much like the Bobby Bowden situation at Florida State all over again. Um, do you see it that way as well? Well, I mean, I'll just tell you. Let me. We'll come, I'll come to that question in just a minute. Uh, I guess I want to put this back on you guys. If I let me ask you a question here. If I were to ask you today to name the star on Virginia Tech's offense, what would you both say? Bucky Hodges. <laughs> I would probably decline to answer the question. Is that a, is that fair? Right, right. And so, Matt, you said Bucky Hodges. Who on Virginia Tech's offense right now can take over a game and win it all by himself? Uh, <laughs> if a game of football, then I don't know. Maybe something else. See, okay, so in years past, you'd see guys like David Wilson, you'd see Ryan Williams, Eddie Royal, Jared Boykin, David Clowney, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, you guys know this. I can go on and on. Guys, these guys, these are, for all intents and purposes, these are guys that can take over games themselves. You know, and really, if they wanted to take the game in their own hands, they'd find a way and will the team to win. That's that's really not there this year, and it's really glaring. There's a there's a huge talent disparity between some of the upper echelon ACC teams and Virginia Tech, and I, I you know that's sort of what I see through these first these, these first five games, right? I mean, like on defense, yeah, Kendall Fuller's out, and he's out, right? And that is a substantial loss, right? I mean, he is. You know, he was going to be in the top five picks. If you look at, you know, at, at ESPN draft picks and such, you know, Mel's draft picks, Mel Kuyper, you know, Kendall Fuller was going to be one of the top picks in the NFL draft. He's not playing. C.J. Revis, who was going to play safety, right, you know, he was dismissed from the school, you know, so, and, and you know, on a, separate, on a separate conduct issue. And that said, you need enough quality backups and recruits, you know, for that next event coming and so what I'm seeing here, at least through these first five games, is it is a talent level that's just not the same that was in years in past and it's showing up on the field. I mean, you know, you, I figure you're going to ask me about the fan base here. What are the fans thinking right now? Obviously, you know, we're, you're looking at some great angst among the fan base. I mean, this is a group that's used to 10 win seasons, winning the ACC, you know, Virginia Tech was in the national championship game versus Florida State in nine, you know, in '99, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and was one game away from being in the national. T- I mean, had Virginia Tech not lost to Boston College that night on that last play in 2007, the BCS numbers had Virginia Tech in the national title game. And now you see a team that's gone seven and six, eight and five, and seven and six after that Sugar Bowl appearance, and they started this season two and three. And you don't see you don't see the fan base obviously feeling really good about this sort of mediocrity or precipitous decline. Now, I'll get to your question, James. I mean, you asked me about FSU and Bobby Bowden. You know, is this type of situation really that way? I mean, there are some parallels, but, you know, Virginia Tech was never at the height where it got a national championship. So not in that perspective, no. But are you seeing people upset in the fan base that want them to go? And you could see an, an, an uproar. Perhaps, but we have such a strong AD that, you know, I don't think that Wood Babcock would let that happen. I mean, I can, I can basically talk to you about this in about three, three you know, a couple different camps right, camps right now, and what I proposed is like a, sort of a third way. If I'm looking, so for example, if I'm looking at the, the, uh, the first camp, you've got the people that will say, 
Hey, and, you know, to some degree, that's me, not as much. I'm probably part of a third camp that I'll describe later. But you've got a first camp that says, holy cow, I remember when Virginia Tech lost to William and Mary. I remember when Virginia Tech was losing to these in-state teams, mm-hmm. these in-state teams. And then you see, you know, then this group saw Beaver take, you know, Virginia Tech all the way to these heights like, that I had just talked about earlier. And then you see this, I mean, you see a younger generation, really, that's coming in that knows nothing but mediocrity from Virginia Tech, and they're not feeling really good right now, and they'd like to see him, they would like to see a coaching change. And then, you know, it's interesting that you asked me about this, because Ralph Russo of the Associated Press, the lead, he's the lead college football writer for the Associated Press, asked me this very same question, because he did a story about Frank Beamer and the future of the program. Basically what I told him was that, you know, we've got to be in a situation here where, we trust the administrators at Virginia Tech because, I mean, in my own personal opinion, James and Matt, I mean, Virginia Tech has the best athletic director in my lifetime, the best president in my lifetime. And I talked to the president, the president about academic issues when he visited here in Northern Virginia. And I talked to, you know, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Witt yet, but his actions, the actions that Witt took when they hired a new basketball coach at Virginia Tech, somehow getting Buzz Williams to come to Blacksburg, and the experience that he's had making big hires at Cincinnati. So, for example, you know, bringing in Tommy Tuberville, you know, as the as the uh, head football coach there at Cincinnati. I mean, it's worked out pretty well for Cincinnati, and they got and he got him out of Texas Tech, so he had him leave a BCS school for a non a non BCS school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the extension that they did for, you know, for, for uh, Mick Cronin at, you know, for, for men's basketball there. I mean, the way he's handled all these issues. Plus, recently, I know that you guys saw this. I mean, there was, there was, there was an issue that exploded on Twitter one night about Virginia Tech finding, you know, find, finding uh, football players out of their, you know, out of their per diem right. money or out of their cost attendance money, that sort of thing. Yeah. But that issue died down in less than 24 hours because Whit Babcock laid down the line and said, this is not happening. So, I mean, just to give you that sort of, sort of, I mean, I guess that's probably a longer answer than you wanted to your question there, but that's, I mean, I, I don't really see it going to that level of the FSU Bobby Bowden situation because we have a really, really competent administrative team with the pre- the, uh, the president and the athletic director. Well, I, with the Bobby Bowden comparison, it was it was rooted mostly in the fact that you've got a guy who has kind of been the face of the program for a very extended period of time, and I, I do realize that you know um, Beamer had not taken them to the heights that Bowden did at Florida State, but you know he. Beamer is very much synonymous with Virginia Tech football. Definitely. Uh, and so, you know, you, you like you said, you have different camps of folks that are, I'm sure, torn on how to, you know, handle things with Beamer because of the fact that, you know, at some point, and maybe we've reached that point, you know, Beamer will need to step aside. And how, right. do, you, how do you do – how do you tell the guy who essentially built Virginia Tech football to where it's at now – Look, it's time. You need to step aside because, you know, nobody in uh, high-level college sports or professional sports gets to where they are by not having a strong ego. And, sure, you know, sure. nobody no, wants to, No, I understand what you're yeah, saying. Nobody wants to be told it's time for you to step aside. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I just wonder if this is a situation where – and, and to your point about you know having a strong, uh, a, a, or not a forceful, but a, at least a, a strong-willed AD, 
Um, you know, I, I'm trying to remember who the athletic director was at Florida State with, during with that bad, time. bad clock. Is the, well, I mean, is, at Florida uh, State when they were dealing the current, with uh, the current Bowden. athletic director. Right, but uh, at Florida State, you know, kind of kowtowing to, to Bowden. I don't remember who it was that was at Florida State. Um, their personality type. I'm sure they've tried to be very um, considerate of, of Bowden and his, um, right. you know, tenure there as well. Um, it's, it's, no, it's a delicate I, I, You're matter. right about that, James. I mean, I just, I mean, my position has been on this is that I trust the administrators. I know that w- just from the way the, his performance, how he, how he brought Buzz in. Yeah. Shows me that he knows how to make the big decision and what action to take on the big decision. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Virginia Tech, is, I mean, Virginia Tech Frank Beamer is a legend. He is Virginia Tech football. There are a lot of things in Blacksburg that would not be there if it were not for Virginia Tech and Frank, you know, and Frank Beamer. So right. you're absolutely right. I mean, he's every bit as big of big to that institution as, as Bobby Bowden was to Florida State. So I don't I don't disagree with that. Absolutely, I agree with you 100 percent there. My point there is such that our AD is so good at, at his job mm-hmm. that the way he's acted on on these prior situations that I just mentioned, like the Cincinnati the Cincinnati hiring issue for football, the the contract extension for Cronin, how he brought Buzz to Blacksburg gives me the confidence that he will deal with the with, with the with the Frank Beamer situation here, the coaching the coaching tenure in a responsible classy way yeah i, I mean i, I don't I, I does that does that help i guess yeah. that's what i'm trying to say there no no i mean it, it's and every situation's unique and has its own different kind of uh, you know quirks and ins and outs and things like that so um and, and you know we're shoveling dirt on frank Be- beamer at this point he could very well turn <laughs> the season around and you what, know what better than to beat state and <laughs> yeah have yeah a nine win season or something. yeah yeah and and with Hashtag coastal chaos being what it has been in years past. Who knows? Things could uh, turn out, and Virginia Tech could once again represent the coastal in the uh, ACC title game. We certainly are not seeing the Georgia Tech football team that we thought we would see, and so there's uh, a lot of uh, there's still a lot of football to play, as it were. Uh, let's it's talk- like Ralph, like Ralph Russo said, yeah, four and four for all. Let's get there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fun for outsiders, but I'm sure for fans of uh, teams that are in the coastal, it's probably not a whole lot of fun uh, rooting for uh, coastal chaos. But uh, yes, I know it, it's, not, it's not. It's not. Let's, let's talk about Friday's game. Um, first of all, uh, is this y'all's first Friday night football game? Uh, I'm, I don't know if y'all have played a Friday night football game before. I think this will be one of our first, right? Is this our first I Friday believe, night football yes. game? Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe this it's one of our first. And I, you know, and yeah. I think there's a lot of people that think it's, of course, the sacrilegious to play on Friday because yeah. that's a day that's reserved. I mean, at least in Virginia, that's really reserved for high school football. Yeah. And, and people are really, really religious about their high school football here, especially up in the 757. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at it for myself, right? I mean, I'm a federal employee, James Matt, and so <laughs> I <laughs> I don't like it as much as Saturday, but I like it better than Thursday because I don't have to take off two days from work. I was going to say it's only so I'm only taking one day four day yeah. weekend this year in Blacksburg this upcoming weekend because I'm off on Monday, so mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and I get a chance to visit my family. My you know my uncle's retired; he's dean of the College of Education, Virginia Tech. So I'm staying with him. So I get a chance to see a lot of people that I know down there, and I. I I love it personally. Well, I know that um, 
you know, just speaking from an NC State perspective, earlier this year we had the opportunity to play a game on Friday night and declined. Um, I think partly because of the, you know, the feeling that, you know, Friday, unless you absolutely have to, uh, you don't want to have to play on Friday nights. And I think, I don't know how the game would have been broadcast. It probably would have been an ESPN3 broadcast otherwise. Um, you know, this is the old Dominion game I'm speaking of. Uh, it ended up being picked up by the American Sports Network, I think. Yeah, the with, American their, with their bowling polos. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a huge shift. But obviously, if you had the opportunity to play on ESPN proper on a Friday night, um, that ch- kind of changes things. Um, I still feel like Friday is kind of a sacred night from a, uh, a high school football standpoint. I know, um, you know, we used to have Steve Logan on the show in years past. And he got into quite a big, uh, you know, uh, ordeal, not ordeal, but uh, uh, controversy uh, with, you know, the administration at East Carolina back in the day. This was probably, you know, 15, 20 years ago because he hated the idea of playing on Friday night. That was his opportunity to kind of go out and meet with kids and and scout and and look at kids that they were hoping to bring into his program. You want them to come visit your campus. Yeah. So, um you know, it's Friday night still has uh, a little bit of uh, a, a sacred, you know, feeling to it uh, from a high school sports standpoint. But this is, uh, you know, I guess as, as Cam Newton would say, this is the world we live in, and uh, you know, so uh, we just kind of have to, you know, accept the fact that if you're going to be able to play on ESPN on a Friday night and get, you know, national exposure. Um, you know, 20 years ago, Thursday night was the night when you know you were the only team playing and you got to, you yeah. know, feature your program. And now it's Friday night, so. Who knows? In twenty years from now, maybe it'll be Tuesday night that uh, you know college teams will be playing. Um, so uh, I guess let's talk about the game itself before we uh, we get out of here. That would be uh, certainly a good thing to do, don't you agree? Um, let's uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Wait, there's a game. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've set the table for it. Um, latest I heard at this point was that Brewer might be playing in the game on Friday. Uh, you know, he's suffering from a broken collarbone. Uh, what, what are you hearing, and, and does that line up with it? And um, do you think we'll see Brewer, and, and if he does play, do you think he'll be effective? Uh, I think I think, I think. think if nothing else, his presence will be, his presence on the field will be effective because he's, you know, he's been, you know, been around the team for a while as a good leader, that sort of thing. I know as much as you do. I have no idea whether he's going to be on the field or not. He made it sounds like it's a game time decision, but you know people. You know people like his leadership. People like him as a person. You know they. You know he is the leader of. He is the leader of that offense. I'm not sure. I, you know your guess is good as mine on whether he'll be effective or not. I don't know what what what, what how he's feeling after the injury that that sort of thing. You know so. It's been, and what, four you know, weeks? I think the other thing, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, has it been four weeks since the injury? I guess it was in the first game of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep, so. yep, yeah against Ohio State, they just went, yeah, they, yeah they, they hit him hard on the ground yeah. and broke his, broke his collar game, collarbone again. I mean, I'm I'm just an armchair, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it, bone surgeon? That's not a word. Um, but, you know, it, it does feel very early to be uh, sending a guy back on the field after a broken collarbone. Usually you'd see these Especially things. Especially when your whole job is to throw the football. <laughs> right, right. You're kind of oh, twisting I know. I and turning. I play doctor on Twitter, too. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems... Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Seems rushed. Um, you're, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, it's, they, they say that he's progressing and you know getting getting you know getting healthy and he'll be ready to maybe ready to go but you know i 
I know not about that, man. I know not about that. I guess I, I trust that, you know, you got to put your, you put your faith in your doctors and you see what they have to say and how, how the kid's feeling and whether he's cleared and that sort of thing. I, that's the best I can tell you there. I mean, you guys have a uh, preseason player that you're Brendan Motley ready to go though, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But he took a really, I mean, he took a, he took a lot of beating in that pet, in that, in that pit game and he was sacked mm-hmm. seven times. You know, How many so times? It was pretty. It, it was pretty rough for him. I, I mean, I was it, did I, I you say seven times, mind. Matt? Go ahead. Did you say seven times? Yeah. Wow. Ooh. And I wonder in my mind if he's going to if if they're if we're going to see Dwayne Lawson. You know, I halfway think that in my mind that we could potentially see him in, mm. with a package for plays, but maybe not. I mean that. You know, they haven't confirmed whether they're going to put him out there or not, but it would be an interesting change of pace. And there's a lot, and there are a lot of fans that are calling for him because he is, he is the future. I mean, I remember the night when they pulled off the red shirt at Tyrod on the road at, at LSU. Mm-hmm. And I've sometimes, you know, you know, they've, they've already pulled the red shirt from, for Dwayne Lawson. So I mean, you wonder yeah. at times whether they should give him some more experience on the field or that sort of thing, you know? So, I mean, I, you know, do I think there's a possibility we could see Dwayne Lawson? Yeah, I think there might be. If, if maybe not full time, but maybe with a package of play, package of plays, if 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 Brewer isn't ready to go. Yeah, you. We talked earlier in the segment about you know who would you say is Virginia Tech's you know go to guy there, um, put the team on his, their shoulders guy on offense. Um, is it safe to say that uh, that's your biggest concern, or, or the the side of the ball that you have the most concern with going into this game? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> we got a hundred yards versus Pitt, a hundred total yards. <laughs> that's good for maybe one I mean, touchdown. A hundred. I mean, we had like six yards rushing. Oh, oh you're saying a hundred total through the whole? Yeah, yes. just like oh, one drive game. One hundred. That's, that's bad. It is bad. That's awful. Yeah, it's my biggest concern. But you know, I have I had other concerns now, James and Matt, because I I started looking at how the last few mobile QBs did it in our did against our defense, and we had a, we had a train a transfer from Mesa Community College or wherever he's at from in Arizona over at <laughs> over at ECU, Mr. James Sauber, and he put you know 180 on us, right? You know, so I mean, you know, and then of course you saw you saw. Um, uh, Cardale over at Ohio State, Jones put you know put several on us, and then you and then you got and then you and then I started thinking how many mobile quarterbacks are there that Virginia Tech still has to face <laughs> left in the ACC, and they better get that fixed yeah. pretty quick on defense facing that mobile QB because we were facing one Friday night in Jacoby Brissett, we're going to face Mark Marquise Williams, we're going to face Justin Thomas. These are quarterbacks that can run pretty well, mm-hmm. and I mean even to some degree. Sirk, right from Duke. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm not, feel, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling very. I'm, I'm not feeling very optimistic yeah, right no, now. You're, you're supposed to be the optimistic voice. Yeah, we touted you up, and yeah, now you're, you're supposed to come on and sell us. Here's my optimistic voice, right? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like. Sometimes I feel like the the competition that comes into lane plays down quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that happens on Friday. <laughs> well, I think the latest line we saw was that State was actually favored on the road in Blacksburg, which I can't remember a team coming off a loss being favored going into Blacksburg, especially on a, an evening, a night game. Um, so that maybe that's indicative of where we're at or where you guys are at. Um, 
uh, I, I don't know. I guess maybe this is a good uh, place to exit the conversation. If you had uh, twenty bucks to put down on a team, would you would you uh, ride with Virginia Tech and think that they would uh, pull off the quote unquote upset uh, per Vegas standards? You know, I don't. I don't feel good about fri- about that game on Friday night because I, 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 we have had difficult a difficult time stopping the run game. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you look at our receivers right now, I mean, I, and I'm being very serious when I say this. I mean, you've got Isaiah Ford, but can you guys mention any other wide receiver at Virginia Tech? I, I like I said, I mentioned your no. tight end. That's about all, all I got. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I mean. You've got some walk-ons there. I mean, you know, but you know, we we're having we're having a difficult time on offense, and you have you have to be able to score a few points if you yeah. want to win the game. And I'm not feeling <laughs> I'm not feeling very good about the offense right now. I'm feeling yeah. if Virginia Tech wins on Friday, it's beginning it's going to be because the defense gives the offense a very short field, or the defense and or. I would. I I'd probably have to put the and in here, James and Matt. Virginia Tech will have to also get a score on defense, I think, to win. That's how I feel about that game on Friday. Yeah. Well, Jacoby's been very good at protecting the football. He, he broke Louisville's streak of games with an interception. Of course, we didn't throw it a tremendous amount, um, and we weren't terribly effective throwing the ball against Louisville. Um, but we did turn the ball over twice uh, via fumble. So, uh you know, uh, if there's if if I can help you make your uh, case for a Virginia Tech win, it might be if State uh, puts together a similar performance like they did against Louisville. From an NC State's perspective, obviously, I'm hoping that they learn enough from what happened Saturday to uh, shore some things up. Namely, that they do commit to running the football and not try to get too fancy. Um, but uh, who knows? We might see uh, a little bit more of Jacoby uh, running the ball, you know, calling his number because uh, there wasn't a tremendous amount of that. Well, in you the did Louisville ask game. me about the, you know, I did. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dana. I apologize. Uh, I wanted to mention something on defense because we do have a strong defensive line. I mean, sure. our defense with Corey Marshall, with Luther Matty, with Daddy Nicholas, and Ken Ekenham from, you know, that's the Virginia Tech defensive line. They were all, all four of them. Or on the Bronco Nagurski watch list, and that, I've never seen that before. Yeah, we're an entire D line, and that could give me some confidence. Maybe they'll make some changes. You know, make some changes to you know where they're more effective in stopping the run and forcing NC State to throw. And that's the world that I would want to be in. Right. Well, if, it, we, if we can get if we can get to that world, who knows? Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to get my confidence back here from the last couple of weeks. <laughs> we need to get back to that world. If we can get back to that world. Then we have a chance to win, but right now I'm not feeling really good about the offense. And you've got to get enough points. To, you know, you've got to get enough. Got to get enough. Got to get enough points to score. And you know, Frank Beamer said this week that oh, we're going to make some wholesale changes everywhere. I'm not sure what changes they're going to make, but mm. I, I hope that they're good. Yeah. Well, you are Mr. Positivity, and uh, I, I feel badly that we're entering this game both coming off a loss, and you guys kind of in the position you're at because I, you know, this has been. I, I never like podcasts where two fans from opposite fan bases are coming in where they don't feel 100% confident about their teams because it just leads to uh, maybe – a rating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both, uh, you know, sharing a beer over uh, you know, the <laughs> hard times. Each other. But here's the good thing. Yeah. I'm getting Matt. I'm getting Matt. After I'm done talking here tonight, I'm getting Matt and a couple of other, your other NC, NC State cohorts. And if you're coming, James, I'm getting you information about a tailgate. 
Well, I, I appreciate that. You put that out there on Twitter. We'll pass it along. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, but I'll uh, be there, Matt. I'll all right, Matt, okay, will, okay. Matt will be there. So uh, that yeah. sounds great. You can that sounds great. Well, I look forward to meeting you, Matt. Go Hokies! I hope it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us here on the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. And uh, Matt Purdy, unless you have anything else to yeah, uh, I have I have something to say, and it's actually not so much me, but we have a couple people that want to say something to you. Oh dear! I, I, this is completely unknown to me. Oh dear! <laughs> Matthew, I had no idea this was going down. Oh dear! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, James! Thank you. <laughs> This is Hayes Permar uh, uh, regaling us with his ukulele. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Go, stay. I had no idea I was 69 years old, but... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, we are. All right, all right. That sounds great. Yeah, the Sports Channel 8 folks are here. So, uh, who, who's here? Oh, yeah. Hey, say hi to Ben and to say hi to uh, hey, hi to Hayes and all those folks. Definitely. Definitely, we will. All right. Well, uh,. <laughs> Thank you again, Matthew, so much for joining us. And uh, I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. And thanks for, thanks for letting me come on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. <laughs> that was perfect. I keep cruising Can't stop on stop moving Suck up got this music In my mind It's gonna be alright It's the best in the it is gonna hit Baby, I'm just gonna shake Shake it all, shake it all Heartbreak is gonna break And the fake is gonna fade Baby, I'm just gonna shake Shake it all I'll never miss a beat Lightning on my feet That's what they don't see that's what they don't see Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.